0: Hi, this is Mario Andre, Mark, Mark Blundell. Mark
1: Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark
0: Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything
1: F1. Everything F1.
0: Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven.
1: Driven by fans. For fans. Hello and welcome to the first Everything F1 podcast of the F1 2024 season. We're officially here. Race week has has started, and it's uh, always a very exciting time. I think we're all a bit giddy here at Everything F1 and excited to get into it. So today you'll be here with me, your host Oscar, and uh, my two wonderful colleagues. First of all, we've got Coops. Coops, how are you doing today? yeah hey, I'm doing all right. How are you, yourself? I'm very well, Coops. I'm very well indeed. I mean, it's race week. How do you feel about it? Are you, are you excited to, to get back into the swing of things? I'm definitely excited. There's a
2: lot of subplots for 2024 going by the news we had of the off-season and a few things that are still to be resolved, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon enough. Yes. So yeah, there's, a, there's there's quite a few things coming up, not just the racing that we have to keep an eye
1: on. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting season for different reasons than normal, but good. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And uh, as you say, though, I think it's always great when you've got as much drama maybe off the grid as you do on it. And uh, we certainly have that all going on at the minute. And uh, as you say, Coops, we'll get into that a bit more. Uh, I'm also joined by Amy. Amy, how are you feeling? Uh, Hi, hi. I'm...
0: I'm really feeling great for this weekend i'm glad racing's back i have missed it i've been keeping up with testing and things like that as well but like i've said it's like gonna be an interesting season because i think we've got a lot of like i'm looking forward to a bit of silly season as well this year and just general like just the out the also the off the grid stuff because i think this year it's one of the biggest ones where we've had a bit more going on on the outside too so
1: Yes, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Does it feel like your weekends will be complete once again with the uh, prospect of a race to come on Sunday or, or Saturday, of course, as we'll have this week?
0: Yeah, 100%. I cannot wait to just be like watching racing again and making my predictions and playing F1 Fantasy and just all that good stuff again. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, 100%. I think we, we're all very excited too. And, and as you say, though, we're getting everything in place, getting our merchandise, our F1 Fantasy, um, which I believe uh, our wonderful audience can get involved in as well and join us on that. Of course, all of our team are taking place in it, or whoever can be bothered to set a team up. And um, you will get the chance to compete with us, and we'll go toe-to-toe in the races as well. So do check that out on our website and on our socials, because, uh, yeah, it'd be great to have you playing along with us to see if you can beat us and see who gets the best. <laughs> And uh, yeah, just before I do start as well, I mention on that, do check us out on all of our socials. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, X, formerly known as Twitter. We've got some great content and uh, wherever you get your podcasts from as well, whether that's on Spotify, Apple, wherever, do check us out. And do go to www.theraceworks.com as well for a 10% discount on all of your F1 merchandising needs ahead of the 2024 season. So without further ado, let's get into it and let's start dissecting what is uh, sure to be a very exciting week. But of course, we can't look ahead to the first race without starting with testing, which of course took place last week. So Amy, let's come back to you on this one. Uh, What were your impressions of testing, first of all?
0: So I think it was clear in testing that we are all probably terrified that it's going to be a dominant season by Max again. (laughs) I do think the Red Bull was really looking really good it does look like a different car mind and different things and we never know what could come up but also I think a good takeaway from it is like testing doesn't always reflect what we see in the first race like they can change the cars and things and I think we need to keep that in mind but looking at it like Alpine are definitely at the bottom Ferrari I would say in my opinion are looking quite strong but then I think they kind of do this every year and then <laughs> but, but um, hopefully they are looking quite strong and we'll carry that through. I think in Bahrain Grand Prix last year Charles Leclerc DNF'd so let's just hope that doesn't happen but based off testing I think the car was looking great. The Mercedes don't know about it to be honest I've just got not really an opinion on it. I expected better but it's not exactly bad it's just there (laughs) which I don't know if people can take what they want from that.
1: Yeah 100% you summed it up well there uh, and you are right Ferrari we've seen this many times before especially into the into the late 2010s there was always a feeling that Ferrari finally had the car to <laughs> bring the world championship back to Marinello and then it would get to maybe the first couple of races in and it would never translate into performance but they do tend to start the season well so that's that's certainly something to look at and Coops, as Amy touched upon there let's start at the back of the grid shall we Alpine in a lot of trouble it seems both drivers coming out today saying they're on the back foot so what do you think about that?
2: Well, it's pretty disappointing if our works team are already at the back foot. We expect that from your customer teams, your independence, a bit like Qualiornos, well, you your ass, which we know are are uh, in steak or salber uh, down at the back end. Uh, and for Alpine, Alpine to come out and say that they're already struggling, but it's, it's, I don't know what it is they're doing. Is this just their way of being typically French in Formula 1 and then in a couple of years' time filling out like they've done over the course of the... The Championship, come in, do so much for so long, disappear, sell it, and decide, oh, I actually, want to come back in. I wonder who would be ready to take over the mantle if they decide to go. I mean, I don't know if there's a name in the top of anybody's lips that could probably do something. Uh, so, yeah, it's disappointing, for sure, that Alpine are already coming out. It's very akin to McLaren at the start of this last season. And, but the difference is McLaren last year, were like, look we went down the wrong way. We know what the problem is. We're just a wee bit behind, but we'll fix it. So don't expect much just now. But Alpine are like, yeah, we're kind of bagged foot. And and it just seems to be like, yeah, we've made a mistake.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, to to cross sports, as I sometimes do in these podcasts, Coops, of course, you're a big NFL fan. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know in American football, there is no form of relegation. So what we see a lot of the time, the teams throwing in the towel very early on in the season, if they haven't got their team and structure right. And unfortunately, there is a certainly a sense of resignation about what the two Alpine drivers are saying today. There's some rumours, and um, do keep in touch with our socials for this in the week because we may have some content coming out about it, but there are some rumours about another restructuring of the management team. Uh, Coops, to come back to you quickly, uh, why do you think that is? Um, Why do you think they just cannot seem to get it right at the top of the Alpine team? Because it's people that don't understand Formula One that
2: are trying to manage a team in Formula One. It's very akin to when Jaguar and Ford took over the... the team before Red Bull took it over and it became, I think it was Stuart Racing, and then they took it over as a works team. And it was people within the management structure that didn't understand how Formula One worked and meddled and made it top, top heavy. And you had too many things that needed to be passed on by the board and then they would step in and get involved. And as we all know, they didn't do very well with the money they invested in the team. And then Red Bull stepped in around, I think it was 2000, the end of 2004 and took over for the 2005 season. Uh, And it seems very much similar to that. This isn't something that's crept up on any. This isn't something that's a surprise, I should say, not crept up. That we've seen issues with management with the Alpine team for a while. They lost Alonso and then lost Piastri very quickly because of their mismanagement of the drivers and negotiations. And then you had a... Oh, I can't remember his name, but he came out and was very scathing of the team. And then he got into special projects within the Alpine group. So there's been issues, I think, last year. Then you've lost up my snap now I think. It's Alan Permain who was with Alpine, who went away with snap there, uh Effectively stacking them and then saying, oh, but before you leave, can you finish that race weekend? If it was me, I'd be like, oh, I'll catch you. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, I'm leaving. Uh, so... Alan Prost was in there for a while. He ended up leaving because of issues with management. So, I mean, are Alpine eventually going to run out of people to put in that team? I mean, like, they're doing a good job of getting there, but I don't know who would want to take it on. Like, you could, I mean, someone could come in here who would have a great amount of motorsport experience and know their worth and know what needs to be done all the people, the money men, the money men within Alpine and the Renault group, would they allow that person, the anonymity to do what needs to be done? I don't know. Because they need to separate it. They need to say, right, this is your ball. Do what you need to do. And let us know what, yeah. if we can help you, but this is your thing. Uh, and it's not like they need to spend a lot of money. The team's ran. They've got lots of very, very rich investors, very famous rich investors involved in that team. And with the cost cap, They've got the infrastructure already, so it's not like a Haas thing where they don't have the infrastructure. They've got, The budget is limited because of the cost cap, so you cack on, it's not, one with the investors and stuff, it's not going to cost a lot to outlay, so they need to kind of figure it out, and there's nine other teams there that have kind of figured things out, maybe eight if you don't include Haas, that kind of know what they're doing when it comes to structure, so have a wee look what they're doing, and... Sh- figure it out. It's not hard. Well, for us it doesn't seem hard, but yeah, it's it's a, a situation where I think sooner rather than later you're gonna get the money men that are just gonna get fed up with this this toy and I think you might see the Andretti name in there in a different way of entering this team entering Formula One than originally would they would have wanted to do.
1: But Yeah, it's 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 a real tricky one, Alpine. And uh, funny enough, I started watching Drive to Survive yesterday, as, as many of us would have done, and just gone past the scene where they're questioning how Aston Martin made such a huge leap forward and credit it to them employing a bunch of Red Bull aerodynamicists. And uh, it seems like once again this season, Alpine will once again be asking questions about how other teams have let forward and they seem to remain the same or, uh, as we expect, even lag behind a bit. So it will be interesting to see what they can do um, in the opening race of the season to claw that back. Now, coming to you, Amy, looking at the other end of the grid, of course, as you touched upon, the real question we're asking ourselves here is are we going to get a better season in 2024 are we going to see someone challenge Max Verstappen what do you think about it
0: I mean I think we're all hoping that there will be that type of there will be that competition in up front that's what we want the think is a front forward battle really but I, I'm really I the car looks so like dominant at the minute just based on testing alone and I think Max is confident he's come out and said he's confident about the car and what they've like developed and even though I think there's like there's just a big gap between Red Bull and the other teams at the minute that it's really hard to see if they can make that sort of jump to come up that and even challenge them but I think the only team if any I think would possibly challenge them would be Ferrari and with Fred in charge of the team now I, it, it's hard to say because I think this year will be the first year we'll be we will see like Fred Visser in his like, properly getting to know Ferrari and then bringing them forward and see what he can do with the team. Because even though he was there last year, it's like, you've got to kind of give a team principal, in my opinion anyway, give them a bit of time, settle into the team, show, like, give them what they, and then get an outcome from it. But Ferrari and testing did look strong. It's just, I think if any of the teams would challenge them, it'd be them. And I know there's other teams, like Merkel still up there, but they're still not up there near as close, I would say, ever at all, but who knows, it is testing and people change cars, people change ideas and honestly we could see a whole switch around in this week's race which is the excitement I guess of the first race.
1: I agree. Yes, it will be a a big test on Fred Vasseur this year. I'll be honest. I I wasn't sure if he had it in him to to take on such a big role at Ferrari, moving from Alfa Romeo, who had become stake F1, of course, this year. But yeah, fair play to him. Not a bad first season in charge. And it will be interesting how he pushes forward. A note on that. You say Red Bull will be difficult to catch. I think a lot of people were really surprised looking at the new Red Bull car in that considering its success last season, it's a real step forward. Not quite a revolution, but certainly an evolution. Were you surprised to see how much Adrian Newey's tried to push the car forward this season?
0: I think it's important in F1 to take those risks. I know not a lot of people will want that, but at the end of the day, the idea is all the other teams and drivers have seen the car from last season. They're not stupid and... Not that they'll take IDs and stuff, but they can see in what direction they needed to go for this year. But then if they change the car again, Red Bull are in another step ahead again. If they keep on building on it and not being scared to try new things, even if it gets them knocked back down and they can work on it again, I prefer that. I don't like teams staying safe. And I don't think that's what F1 is about anyway. And I think with Adrian Newey anyway, his knowledge on cars, amazing and and stuff. And he could, I think if anyone can develop a car and just, making sure that he is going out there, changing it up, switching it up, but also getting it right, it's him.
1: Yes, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think um, Adrian Newey heralded as one of the best designers of all time, I guess, in the sport. But I think he's really impressive to see how he is always trying to push forward and never really seems satisfied with remaining still, which I think in F1, as you mentioned there, is a key skill. And Coops, to come to you then on, on the subject of Red Bull, of course, hugely successful in 2023, really dominates from start to finish. Do you think the hunger is still going to be there for Max Verstappen and also the team?
2: Oh, yeah. They want to show that they can dominate just as much as Mercedes did and the way that Mercedes could have been perceived to be slightly arrogant over a few years when they were winning everything and they weren't anywhere near it. Uh, so, yeah, they've got... There's a definite hunger there to show that, like, he can do the same thing you did, and Adrian New. I mean, he's not as in he's not as involved in the cars as he has been. He's got like it's parts of the cars and areas that he helps to deal with, and he has a contribution. Um. So he once when he's still there doing his thing, Red Bull are always going to have that match, and the fact that the foundation, which is the RB nineteen, was so good and so solid. That they only need to evolve the car for the next two or three years until twenty twenty six when the rules change and things uh, change ever so slightly. And I think a lot of teams, I think that's where Ferrari are probably aiming to hopefully get a job, uh, similar to what Lewis did when he moved from McLaren over to Mercedes. There was a one year and then it was a rule a rule change, and so he had that year to bed himself into the team. And then he helped get the rule change organised for twenty twenty six. So I think that's maybe part of his logic uh, in moving to Ferrari and probably why they've looked at him. Bring him in for that year, he can bring in. The guy knows how to drive the car. He knows how to do things with the cars. He knows his feedback is good as well, So especially when him winning so much. So Lewis will be able to help drive the way that he would like to take the car. So, yeah, Red Bull definitely want to push and keep pushing and keep showing up until at least 2026, 20, Like. You want to beat us, you need to keep trying. Uh, the question mark you'll have is the Christian Horner thing, which I'm sure we'll discuss after. That's still there, and apparently the rumour is that's going to be dealt with soon, but if, if he goes, does New go? There's still question marks, so it's not as solid as, as it probably would have liked to have been with the backstage politics and everything else that's going on. Uh, and Before we move on quickly, I've noticed a comment uh, on our socials there, Neil Doherty. Thanks for getting in touch he's mentioned that he knows someone who left Alpine to go to Williams and they've said that the difference is night and day. And that's, that is a question on leadership, which is pretty much what we've touched on. And also, from what I've heard, I haven't watched a lot of the new Drive to Survive. It's not kind of my thing, but I'll watch it. But everyone's saying that they'll go into battle with James Wells as a team principal. And if you've got somebody like your James Wells, your Total Wills, up until recently, maybe Christian Horner, but the allegations going on, maybe that's a wee bit kind of outdated now. But your total will for sure, uh, and uh, James Wells now. If you've got that kind of leadership, it filters down, and people want to stay. People want to push. People have that freedom to innovate and 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 express and and do something together. And I think that's the biggest thing you've got. You just don't have that in Alpine, which filters down and creates that in toxic environment and. culture that just doesn't work and it's really hard to get out of it so that's interesting that somebody's noticed that even from outside of our conversation Uh, they've also said that Mercedes had their power unit turned down along with Red Bull probably when it comes to testing, more than likely there's going to be a bit of sandbagging, we always knew that Uh, I just don't want to watch qualifying and see that Max Verstappen's two seconds ahead of everybody uh, because that's going to be a very long year if that
1: happens
2: so yeah it'll be definitely interesting yeah, And Red Bull definitely have something to
1: prove. Yes, uh, yeah, I agree with you totally there. And uh, thank you to Neil as well for sending in that information. Um, if you're looking for a role as a breaking news reporter, then do get in touch with Everything F1 yes, because yes, we always need the someone shirt. for those scoops. So that that's really interesting, really interesting. And, and as you say there, Coop, a positive and healthy working environment is really essential to get the most out of people. And yeah, with the amount of change that's gone on there, I guess you could say that Alpine does seem like a slightly toxic environment maybe to work on or more toxic, say, than Williams, as you say there, where, yeah, from the first few episodes I've seen and the focus on James Vowles, he seems like a lovely bloke and definitely someone who's uh, got the whole team Kind of pushing in the same direction which is which of course vital with so many employees and and just a note on that and i guess linking to james vowels as well back to you for this one Coops on red bull do you think that there's any pressure on them to make the most of it with this current i guess golden generation of staff and drivers. As you said there with Mercedes, we're starting to see some of the old guard moving on now. James Vowles has of course left for the team Prince were off, of course Lewis is moving on to Ferrari. Do you think the Red Bull need to strike while the Iron's hot and get as many championships as they can over the next couple of years?
2: Yes. Cause as we know, regardless of what Formula One does over the years, there's always a team that dominates. And it's just the way this it's just the way Formula One is. a uh, I, I think I said at the start when these new regulations came in that it would be find it, that teams would find it very difficult to dominate as in five, six, seven championships in a row. The be Red Bull have nailed it, Gonna kind of prove me wrong. Uh, but Formula One is, you ha- if you get your pieces of your puzzle right, you're hard to beat. And it doesn't matter how well the other teams are, if you get everything right. So they've got Max Verstappen, who's came in, who's excuse me, he's took a number of years to kind of get find his feet, calm himself down a wee bit, not be as rash as he was. He's then been given the tools, which is the R B nine and questionably the, the car from twenty twenty one to put him on that initial footing. Uh, you've got Adrian Newey, you had Christian Horner, you've got a lot of other people forgive me, what's the, the strategist's uh, name? Uh, the woman. I can't remember her name, the lead strategist at Red Bull a shot to prominence. How
0: many, uh, how
2: many uh, Hannah Schmitz, I do apologise. Um, so you've got, those are just a small part of the puzzle and they've just got everything working. And if you look at like Michael Schumacher's domination, Ferrari were rubbish for a couple of years until he got the, those puzzles right and he took all those pieces and he got his ducks in a row and he got everything working with Ross Braun, and John Todd. He got his proper number two driver. He got everything working the way he wanted it. And you could have beat him. And eventually, somebody else came in, and Mika Hakkinen and McLaren got it for a couple of years, and then Red Bull done the initial domination with, with Vettel, and with that wee blip with them um, in between with Braun just getting, even Braun, they just, they, it was the right place, at the right time, with the right things, and the right this, and the right regulations. Everything just worked. If it if one of that one of those pieces didn't work, Braun wouldn't win. If one of the pieces didn't work, Ferrari wouldn't be dominating. Red Bull wouldn't dominate with Vettel if something and that didn't work right. There's always a that that everything needs to work together, And Formula and it's it's even more prominent in this year. I think with things going on that we've touched on already with the backstage politics, uh, at Red Bull at the moment in the kind of the the investigation, we don't know the fallout of that, and that that could be the start of things starting to kind of get a wee bit of a wobble, and we don't know have mercedes looked into something with a new, newly designed car have ferrari got something coming up with their car mclaren with the launch have have came up with something that's very similar to a red bull idea but they've came up with it on their own so are they starting to get things going mclaren have got have done a lot of hiring they've got a lot of pieces of the puzzles together they've restructured things they've got a lot of things coming so you just don't know over the next years but yeah for a a long answer to, to your question, yeah. But Red Bull really want to kind of get another one at least because we, there's so many things that could change that. One or two people go, could change everything.
1: Yeah, there's certainly no I in team, and uh, that's definitely applicable for a sport like Formula One. And uh, as you rightly say, they will hope to capitalize on this great group of people they've got working together um, all super talented and really successful in in their field so yeah they will hope to to clean up as much as they can and I think we can all agree they've got a very good chance of taking both championships home again in 2024 of course we hope that uh, other teams and drivers will be putting up a fight to stop them last note on Red Bull Amy uh, we won't touch upon it too much but of course the investigation into Red Bull post has now been completed. We're expecting the outcome tomorrow. Do you think they'll be happy to um, to get this done, I guess, the Red Bull team, um, and to, I guess, find the conclusion and then they can go from there, really, and, and get the season started? It's been a bit of an unwelcome distraction, hasn't it?
0: I think it's not great to have something like this, especially at the start of a season, when they need almost all heads in the game type thing. And it's I did hear on the, it was either, I think it was the Red Bull launch and he, and Christian Horner said that his head was with the team and focusing on getting the team places. So hopefully it hasn't been too much of a distraction for the team. The outcome of the investigation, I think we're looking to hear from it about tomorrow or something It's going to come out. But it's, I think, as long as the team kind of do put that on the back burner and focus towards Bahrain, which I think they would do, because if I'm honest, I think at Red Bull... I think they all just want what's best for getting the trophies and stuff. You can see the fight within everyone there. So I don't I don't think they're going to let this kind of sway, sway their heads. Well, hopefully not. And they definitely don't need it at this moment in time, really. But like I said, depending on the outcome, there has been rumours, and they are just rumours at the minute, that Christian Horner is going to announce leaving and stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it's all a bit of speculation and that all that will build up. But I think with how strong the Red Bull team are looking. And just, I think their head is where it needs to be. And it's not the best distraction on the side, but I don't think it will change anything this weekend.
1: Yeah, they're hugely experienced, aren't they, Red Bull? So while this is, of course, a bit out of the ordinary, I'm sure they're fully focused on Bahrain. I guess, of course, more worryingly is the future engine partner, Ford, of course, who have been quite critical about their lack of transparency. What did you think about that?
0: I think in any sort of they want I don't know whether it was worth Red Bull sort of giving them more information privately. I think what Red Bull have done to the public is perfectly okay. It is an ongoing investigation that's internal to that organization. I just feel like it's not when an outcome is reached, that's when I feel like we should have the right to know about the outcome and things because then there's been a definitive people have looked into it there's not there's no rumors about it it's just nothing speculated then but at the minute it is all speculation with it is a difficult one because I do think they're looking at it from a collaborative business perspective and if they are that case if Red Bull wanted to share stuff with them internally I wouldn't see an issue with it but coming out public the way Red I think what Red Bull have done is not only professional but arguably admirable because most people would the amount of probably pride eyes into them they've had recently I think it's great that not a lot of information has come through about it just because at the end of the day there's investigations in all forms of like works like Everywhere it doesn't matter if you're Formula One, football, investigations on go everywhere, and I think until there is a definitive result from an investigation, and we can't really like comment or speculate about it much anyway because we don't know the facts. But like, do you know what I mean? And I think that's the key thing to take from it really.
1: Well, that will be coming to a conclusion tomorrow. So for all of you are watching along with us on Facebook now or maybe listening, then uh, do keep an eye across our socials and say we will be covering it um, as the news is breaking. So, yeah, do join us for that one. That's uh, going to be the 28th of February on the Wednesday that we should begin the conclusion of Christian Horner's investigation. Right. On to the next bit of news. Now, Mercedes, very interesting team, of course, coming into it. I think the team have dominated the off-season chatter. Understandably, it's the great Sir Lewis Hamilton, their star, their shining light, is leaving for greener pastures or redder pastures, depending on what you put it. Now, what do you think about this, Amy? Very interesting start way to start your season. There's a lot of... I'm not sure what the word is really. what do you think the word is How would you sum up Mercedes and how they're feeling right now?
0: Well probably not great. I have here here this could be wrong, but I have heard that like Lewis Hamilton didn't really tell anyone till the day anyway like his family and stuff didn't know that I think that was put out in a publication. I don't know the source, sorry, but Life did read that earlier and stuff and I think I think it's definitely a swing that no one saw come in for this season ahead to be honest. I have called that he would probably go to Ferrari before but I didn't think it'd be this early if I'm honest I was expecting it more 2026 type way but I can see it I, I think it's interesting and I think it's going to be interesting at the dynamics at like Mercedes between the drivers and I think I don't know whether there's going to be more push on Russell now and whether he's going to see that this year especially not having at the minute as what we've seen from testing a great great car maybe it's like I think it was his time to move on anyway but I've always said this I don't believe Hamilton at the minute is comfortable in Mercedes and I don't think he has been for a while so I think it was his time to move on but it definitely shook a lot of people and I think going into 2024 especially now we've like we've all kind of had a bit of time to process the news and hopefully it won't affect his performance at Mercedes and it will then just go on. But I think the big question is now, really, is Carlos signs, And when he's going on, like I said, I think Silly Season this year is just going to be a bit mental, to be honest, because a lot of contracts are coming to the end and people need seats and there's a lot of people going in for Formula 1 seats at the minute, so... <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. As you say, several high-profile drives up for grabs in 2025 and going into a rule change the following year. That's a real opportunity for someone to maybe set themselves up going into the latter half of the 2020. So really interesting. Coops, just to follow on from that, what do you think about the dynamic in that team now? How, How can they back Hamilton in the same way that they did?
2: Well, they've got a point to prove. Over the last two years, they made mistakes. And Mercedes is a team that are not used to making mistakes. Uh, so if you put that and you mix that into the fact that they're going to want to prove a point to Hamilton, well, you're leaving. But look what we're going to do. And look what we're doing. And look how good we can be without you. Yeah, I think I think they'll be professional enough. They'll, they'll want to do it together. And they're definitely going to have a set. There's going to be a PR line throughout the whole lot of it. was one last year. There's no issues Backstage. And behind the scenes, Lewis is going to start seeing a lot of doors closing over, especially the second half of the season, when they start talking about the next the 2025 car. And that'll be, Lewis won't be allowed in to see any of that. It'll just be George and whoever needs to see about it, but definitely not Lewis. Because they're like, oh, you're not really, you're off. You're not seeing the next car catching. So I think that'll, that might be a bit of a surprise for Lewis. It's been a while since he's had to deal with that. So... And I don't think, I can't remember now, but I don't think his move to Mercedes from McLaren was a year in advance. Uh, so certainly if, if, he, if it wasn't, that he's probably never had to deal with that situation. I mean, the, the things that he's usually old, like he'd be able to see and talk about, he's not going to get to see. And you would like to think he's exper- He's old enough and wise enough to know that that's what's going to happen. He's got a strong relationship with Total Wolves. They became good friends, so I'd imagine they would probably have the proper adult conversation about as the season goes on, you're not going to get get access to things that you need to see and that'll be made clear to them. Uh, but, yeah, I think there'll be an impetus, especially for Mercedes to show Lewis that, look, you've made this decision. And maybe kind of want to show that it's the wrong one.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think think it's really interesting and I agree with you. It's a very tricky one, isn't it? When on one hand, you've got a team and partnership who have been so successful, so in sync with Toto and Lewis and the late Nicky Lauda, of course, who was an integral part of that team as they were finding success. And uh, now, in many ways, he, he's going to be fighting for the enemy in, in 12 months' time. Coops, just one more back to you on the Mercedes team. Where do you think this leaves George Russell as well? Do you think this this means he is the de facto leader of the team going into 2024 and he will be prioritised?
2: I don't think he's prioritised. I think Mercedes will go with whoever's leaving the championship, whoever gives him the most opportunity to get more points. And at the moment, that's Lewis. Lewis knows how to discuss the car. George, I mean, as a person, as a driver, and what I've seen over the last couple of years, I'm not the biggest fan, and we'll put that out there right now. But he has made a few kind of obvious mistakes, the biggest one being at Singapore, where he... He hit the wall right at the end, but he had an opportunity to take a good handful of points and he ended up with nothing. And I'm sure I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure that wasn't the first time he did that last year, when he made a couple of wee errors and could have and sell a good chunk of points from Mercedes. So I uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting. He will be the de facto as the season goes on, like I say, as we come into the latter half of the season I'd imagine he'll probably get more involved. But I think that'll be more leading into twenty twenty five. But we go into this season and for whatever reason George is ahead of Lewis, you might see a few things, but I th- I think Lewis will still get more or less priority on things dependent on how the season goes, but I still I still think it Lewis will probably still get more than George throughout the season.
1: Yeah, it'll be a really interesting subplot to see how that plays out. And in particular, let's say if Mercedes are fighting at the front, then how they're going to manage that in terms of at which point do they cut off onto next year's car? which, of course, won't include Lewis anyway. So then how do they go about that from there? I think it'll be really interesting to see how this this plays out. And, of course, it all started because of that big announcement one year before his departure. Amy, to come back to you, I think the last team that I'd like to talk about, looking at testing, because, of course, uh, we can't do them all today, uh, is McLaren. And uh, don't worry, Coops. I will be coming back to you for this, as I know you're a big fan of the team. Now, I'm really interested in McLaren, Amy, and partly the reason for this is because here at Everything F1, we've all made our bold prediction going into the new season. What do we think is going to be the standout, a big surprise? And many of us, not including myself, but many of us have gone for Lando Norris getting his first win. Now, it's undoubtable the talent that Lando has but do you think that's a realistic possibility?
0: I put that down as a pred- prediction. So I didn't I... realise
1: that, by the way. I wasn't calling you out, but that proves my point anyway.
0: <laughs> I was like, I've been a McLaren like fan from a while back, but I think he comes with a lot of fight in. And from, from the McLarens at the minute, we've seen a lot of fight from them and I really like seeing that again like the spirits within them because I don't know over a few years I feel like it was just a bit lost and I, and I think it was really good to see it last year from going from like bottom of the grid to basically fighting up there towards the end I think that was amazing but we've got to see I think I on based on testing I think McLaren are doing okay I think they're in they're in a bit of I think it's going to be a bit of a fight between getting t- into the podiums i do think they could have the chance of getting into podiums i think they're not like outstanding they didn't blow me away but at the end of the day cars have changed massively i think i think it might have been last year it could have been the year before but mclaren basically led testing real- everyone was like oh my god they're doing really well in testing and then in the first race they were like on the back burner so i think we can't always take what we can get from testing initially, but I think the car that they have produced, I think, especially if they're building on from last year, what they get, what knowledge they've gained from last year. I do think they have a shot this year. At, and McLaren are one of those teams that we see do develop their car in the most... They, they, I think out of all the teams, they take the most risks when developing their cars. And I don't know whether they... I don't want them to play it safe. And I think when they have done that in the past, that is when it's gone wrong for them. So I think this year, will hopefully, we will see Lando. Whether he'll get his first win, I think they may need to have a few people DNF before that, but I don't know. I really hope they do. And anything can happen in F1. I think that's the main thing. Like The season's long. The cars keep developing for a little bit too at the start. So I think we've got to keep that in mind. And I think... It is about the drive as well the driver pairing at McLaren at the minute is really really good and arguably one of the best on the grid and I think that's important too because that that not only gives them the sense of team and that they're working together but I think they at the minute they're the strongest team presented off track I feel like they they actually do know what they want where they're going type thing and yeah Lando's not going to give down a fight I think we all know Lando I think he definitely wants that win now more than ever so I really hope he does get one but I think we just have to see
1: yeah, as you say, anything can happen, folks. I mean Pastor Maldonado, of course family won a race in the Williams, so if he can win one anyone can. But mm. in all seriousness, yeah Lando is of course a, a hugely talented driver and it does certainly feel that if Zach Brown and McLaren can provide him with a car, then he will go on to take that, that first victory. And just one more back to you Amy, on the subject. Of course, as we've discussed, big year for driver transfers in 2025 if mclaren don't provide him with a car do you think that could be lando moving on to one of the i guess typical top teams the ferraris and mercedes of the world
0: i think he can do i think <laughs> the situation is i think i've always said this and it's a bit i am a mclaren fan and people <laughs> may come at me for this but i've always said that i think lando held on to mclaren for a bit longer than he should have not because i don't think his dynamic doesn't work i just think for the driver, but the driver that he is, I think if we see him in a better car, we get the chance to see him properly against the competition that he should be competing against, and I think that's what we need to see. And I think for the for Lando, I think the correct move would be to go to one of the higher teams. But at the end, they I think a lot of people are suggesting that he should go to like Red Bull and stuff. But I don't think he would be a great second driver to Verstappen. I know they get on off the grid, but he's not really second driver material either he's more I think he likes the lead and I think McLaren provides him with a lot of support because he is dedicating his career basically to them at the minute and I think that's why he gets a lot of support from them to go from that to then not being necessarily a priority at a different team I don't know whether that is what he would want right now in his career I think he's on a multi-year contract didn't he so it's It's hard to see what he will do and what he will think, but if if McLaren is still building on a really good car, he could possibly stay there until the regulations change, if I'm honest. Because I think at the minute, it's not a bad choice to stay where he is based on the uncertainty of just everything in the top, say, three teams.
1: Yeah, drivers, despite how they all may look the same with their helmets on going around the track at God knows what speed, all have different personalities. And it has been clear through the years that some like to be pampered and supported and loved a bit more than the others. I'm not saying Land is that character, but he certainly has the backing and the love within that McLaren team. And without me being too much of a plug for Drive to Survive and you lot getting on Netflix accounts, it certainly became clear to me a bit more from the episode focusing on McLaren, that Zach and Lando do have a very father-son relationship, actually, which is a real surprise to me. I didn't know their history went back that far. So I'm sure it'd be a tricky decision to, uh, to move on and leave Zach Brown. I think Lando very much wants to achieve that championship or championships with the McLaren team. And to come on to another McLaren fan in Coops. Now, he was shaking his head, actually, when I said about Lando getting his first win. He's not a believer. Coops, tell me why not. Is Oscar Fiastro get it first? Bold claim. Tell me why. I just
2: there's something about Oscar that I just think he's just you give him he's had his year, he got a sprint one, which is a bit, which is a quicker than Lando. Lando hasn't got any one. Although arguably he should have probably got it in, in Russia and didn't. Uh, so there's just something about Oscar. I didn't really know much about him. I knew of him. He came to McLaren, I thought, right, people kind of rave about him. Mark Webber's kept him grounded, eh, and he's just got into McLaren and sailed away with it. And I just think there's, he's just going to take that chance before Lando is. Eh, and that'll be interesting, I think, for Lando to deal with that. He's the de facto number one. Whether they treat him like that on the track is, is another question. But, I mean, he's grown up in the McLaren fold, and he was there testing and then he got put in the seat. As you say, the relationship with Zach Brown, we all seen how happy he was when he got on his first podium in Austria during the COVID year and how excited everybody was for him. So, it'll be interesting to see how Lando takes that if it does happen. But yeah, personally, I just think like, there's something quite special about Oscar.
1: Uh that, so, that's a really interesting point yeah really interesting I think a lot of us were waxing lyrical about Oscar Piastri's performances last year he was fantastic and just to follow up on that then would you say and of course it's so hard to answer these questions but do you think that Piastri has a higher potential ceiling than Lando Norris in the long term? Well he's younger and if he's already performing
2: pretty close to Lando then yeah looking at that data I mean the it, it, potential and where things go in the future it's a, it's a subjective thing you can only look at it from what i think i see and maybe people that are a lot smarter than me i will have a lot more information could probably argue against it or maybe agree for me it's more kind of intuitive and uh, intu- intuition really and just how i kind of look at it and think well there's something about them And I think that's the thing about a lot of the special drivers. I never was sold on Schumacher doing well because I never looked at him and thought, wow, what is that about him? There's something special. When Lewis arrived on the scene, I'm old enough to remember watching Lewis Hamilton come on the scene. And it was just, the minute he came in, you're just, oh, wow, George Russell and Williams. There was something about them. Max Verstappen, when he appeared in Toro Rosso, we all knew he was going somewhere. And that was very quickly in his Toro Rosso career uh other people came in with this that they, they've done well on f2 they've done well on f3 and then you'd see them in formula one and you're just like yeah and it's really hard to kind of explain without being in amongst it there's just that thing you watch as someone who's as who, who, all of us are we watch a lot of formula one you just get that feeling about them you're like there's something about this guy and the only person i didn't have the reaction to was Juan Pablo Montoya and the reason i didn't was because i followed him in car because i love that guy he's like one of my favorite drivers so I knew what to expect when he arrived in Formula One. But otherwise, you, you catch a name and you watch him and think, wow, look at him, look how amazing he's driving. Uh, you know, Neil Doherty's actually talked about the episode in Drive to Survive, about the Zach Brown was under a lot of pressure from the CEOs and the sponsors to turn things around. And he thinks that most likely Lando Norris would have been off along with Zach, wouldn't have been too far behind. And it just shows you the insights of the pressures of Formula One. And again... It shows you how it's the fragility of it all. So everything looks stable. But if you have a run or a poor season, and maybe a poor season in a bit, because it, let's not forget McLaren had a poor season the first year of the new regulations. They didn't quite get the sums right then, and then they managed to fix it. And then it didn't quite work again for the following year, and which led to James Key, the kind of head man of, the, the, of that department, to, to move on. So that it, it doesn't take much in the grand scheme of formula one for things to think like that's a good, that's a good potential and the team has something and then they take a wrong step and you have to be very secure in yourself. Like I think the only way that like even Mercedes who they've had a poor two years in there kind of for them, although they've came, they've been up at the top echelons, they've only won one race in two years. Lewis hasn't won a race now for two and a half, three years or something now. Um, and, they ha- and even Mercedes, with everything they've done, they've still lost people because they aren't one. But they've kind of secured it. They haven't lost as many people as you would have thought they might have lost. It wasn't the necessary stereotypical sinking ship thing where everybody just parted ways, oh, that's the end of it. Total Will there, James Allison has returned. Total Will has stayed there, I should say. Uh, James Allison's has returned to help kind of steady the ship. Yeah, they lost James Bowles, but they've They've kind of kept most of the security there. They've they've not lost too much. So yeah, it's 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 interesting how things go in Formula One and where things will go in Formula One. And for McLaren, they've got they've secured a lot of very smart people over the last year and a half. They've got the new winter up. They've got other investments going on, and it seems to be they're producing a the car that can fight at the front. And as a McLaren fan, I remember when Honda was in the back of that car, and I remember what they fought for back then. So I'm quite happy. Uh, But yeah, I still think that we'll see Oscar at the front. Uh, And I would like, will I stick a fiver on Oscar Piastri winning a race this year? Maybe.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating battle for sure, Coops. And you make some very good points there. I think I think Piastro, Piastri quite an understated man, it seems. Not not kind of too too brash or too boisterous, but does his talking on track and, and he's certainly very quick. And I guess that leads me quite nicely into the next bit then. Let's look a little bit at the season as a whole now, guys, and, and ask a few questions on that. Amy, to come to you then, which teammate battle are you most looking forward to in the 2024 season?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. But I think I've got to go with, actually, probably... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> probably Norris and Piastri. like Based off what... Just, like, uh, similar to Coops. I've always loved Piastri since he'd come in. I also watched him prior to his other racing, but I, I do really like the intensity that them two bring, but the similarities within them, I don't know. I think there's going to be battles on on the track and... That's probably going to be interesting to see who does come out on top. I want to see how George Russell and whether things change or... But yeah, I think it's important to kind of just remember that... Like, there's lots of, like, dry appearance, I think, at the minute, that are quite there or not, there. I don't know. It's a bit like Alpine as well. You've got Gasly and Ock I haven't watched Drive to Survive, but I don't know whether they played that up in Drive to Survive last season, but it's interesting to see them too as well, because they passed and stuff. But I think arguably last year, I do think they didn't do too bad as teammates with a couple of collisions, but it's fine. (laughs) At the end of the day, I think it's probably got to go to Norris and Piastri, just to see who does come out on top there. I think with Max Verstappen and Perez, I don't think there's any contention there again, which... It's going to be a little bit disappointing if there's not. but Because I am a really big fan of Perez, arguably. I just think he hasn't been performing in what he should be performing in that Red Bull. But we could always argue that Max is just amazing. And even though Perez is good, it's just not reaching up to that standard. But yeah... (sighs)
1: Yeah, no, thank you for that. Yeah, there are some really, really interesting driver pairings, and uh, I can't wait to see how they play out. As you say, they're the McLarens, the Alpines, who, of course, have historically not got on too well, the Baths, the Brits, the Mercedes. I mean, the, the list really goes on. Carlos Sainz fighting for his for his future in the Ferrari, so I can't wait to see how it plays out. Coops, of course, you've spoken a bit about McLaren, and Amy's given us a few there as well. Can you just give me another driver-teammate battle that you think is going to be quite juicy this season?
2: I think the one with the biggest to lose is the is Perez at Red Bull. He's probably the one with the most to prove and the most pressure on him. Bonner did say at the start of the season, and again, that's where a large pinch of salt because we don't know if he's going to be there for the full season with this investigation. However, he did say that it's his seat to lose, and if the form from last year carries on, he's lost the seat. Because there is no way, if that car is as good as everybody says it is, and he's still making mistakes, a la hungry and getting fire into the wall and being in going out in Q one or not getting into Q three. Luckily for Red Bull, they didn't need him to get the championships done because Max was just as good as he is and just didn't make a mistake. But if you look at if the role if if the championship was as close as it was in twenty twenty one and Perez wasn't there to help Red Bull when Max Verstappen had an issue against whoever he was competing against for the title, whether it be a Ferrari, a Mercedes, or whoever. He wouldn't have been in the seat this year. But he, Arguably, Max Verstappen's dominance secured his job for the following season because it didn't highlight how much, how much they lost. It's all of what ifs and could have lost, rather than what they did lose. Uh, so... I think that's going to be an interesting one but like I say I think there's from last count I think there's 13 seats available next year which is amazing considering the fact nobody moved this year we don't even have a rookie on the grid this year so there's a lot of stories going on there's a lot of subplots and a lot of wee things And and that's just to do with driver parents and driver movement we've got us we've got the Carlos Sainz at Ferrari who doesn't have a seat we've got the space at Mercedes which is a top tier we've heard Vettel might be coming back. Alonso could be going into that seat. You've got you've got Kimi Antonelli, who didn't even race in F3, that could end up there, depending on how F2 goes. Uh, and God knows whatever else happens elsewhere. So yeah, I think if you want to boil it down to one specific thing, I think I'll be, I'll be keeping a wee eye, just a wee sideways eye on Perez. And If Max is first, I want to see Perez third, fourth, second. I don't want to see him eight, nine, six because I think that's that's when we start looking and going, no. Unless there's a reason for it, unless there's a mechanical issue, it wasn't his fault because a lot of the issues to do with Perif last year were his issues. It wasn't mechanical. It wasn't a situation that was out with his control. He made the mistakes. He wasn't on the pace. So that's what I would like to see.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can not agree more. It's going to be really interesting at Red Bull to see how Perez does. And, and as Neil points out in the comments as well, that if the car does come to Perez in terms of how it is designed, then maybe that will benefit him. He seems like a driver who has a small window where he can operate at his peak, but when he is in that, as we've seen in flashes at Red Bull, he can do it. He can be a race winner. So yeah, some really exciting driver pairings there to look ahead to. And Coops, to come back to you as well, just on the calendar quickly, 20 24 rounds this year. Huge calendar. A lot mm-hmm. of races. I mean, I don't envy the guys on the pits and all the crews that are going out to each races because it's gonna be a real a real slog. What do you think about the calendar? Is there any race that stands out to you in particular that you're that you're looking forward to?
2: Yeah, I quite like the idea of going back to China. I quite like that track, especially the first few sections. It's quite a twisted first couple of sections. And we've never had them race there with a new iteration of the Formula One car. Uh I think it's the, it's still the standout tracks that you you want to see. Baku brings up good racing. Spa usually has something. Monaco's a bore fest. Well, the races qualifying is it's pretty exciting, I suppose. Uh, so in Saudi, as much as we have the issues with the politics of Saudi Arabia and a lot of other places at the minute, but when it comes to the track, it does produce a bit of racing. It, it's a it's a track that kind of. Sorts out the men from the boys and it's a very technical race. The only other one that I'm not overly fussed on in terms of races off the top of my head is Miami. Still hasn't really shown why it's on the calendar other than it's Miami Mm track-wise. But and uh, Abu Dhabi, even with the changes, doesn't do much for me. But by the time you get to Abu Dhabi, it's the 24th race of the year. You're kind of done. You're kind of like, oh, it's just, Abu Dhabi, it's fine. Yeah. we don't Let's need to put too much close effort the in. Curtains. Yeah, just just, exactly. just do what we need to. Yeah, we're still we're still dealing with the PTSD and the fallout from 2021, so we just want a couple of it's just it's just fine, it's fine. Just you
1: get <laughs> on with it. Uh, That's a yeah, nice procession. It. No safety cars.
2: Yeah, no nothing. Back in the environment. <laughs> just, just no talking points because we're we're tired by that point. So yeah, it's 24 races. China will be interesting to see. Like I say. And it'll just be fun. I'm not looking forward to the fact that we've got Japan and Australia next to each other because that means that we need to get up as the poor Europeans have to get up a couple of times a year really early in the morning. Uh, I know the Australians and some American fans have to get up all night and early in the morning all year. But don't take that away from us. This is our problem. So we're allowed to have a couple. So Japan's in April. Uh and then I think it's sandwiched, I think that it's either before or after Australia but they're next together. Um uh, so yeah, it'll be a bit strange watching Japan in April 'cause I I think it's always been late in Egypt, to be honest. But yeah.
1: Yes, well, I couldn't agree more. And thank you for that, Coops. there, staking a claim for the European heartlands of motorsport, where it should be, where it should be. I joke, of course, in this uh, increasingly globalised world of F1 that we live in. And uh, Amy, to come to you then, I think Coops made my point there, what I was going to ask you. How strange will it be to be watching these cars going around Suzuka in April of all times, in our springtime? Might have been sitting in a beer garden, maybe, watching Suzuka. It's going to be crazy here in the UK.
0: No, I know. I was thinking that when um, the calendar and stuff came out and I was like, oh, okay, this is new. But yeah, I guess it will be interesting. Do, you, do you, I don't know whether it'll be interesting to see how the car, if the cars will perform differently on the track. If, like, because of a different time of the year, different weather, different temperatures and different things. But I'm not really sure if it will do much or anything like that. That's what I'm more interested in with that bit. But... I think all in all this season, though, we've got a lot of races to look forward to, I think. And like Coop said, you're always excited for the big ones. And in particular, one of my favourites are always Baku. I love it. I love a Baku race. I think it always provides a decent race. And I think there's all standouts from like Spa and from Silverstone and just the main ones that you want to see. Also the qualifying in Monaco, arguably, in my opinion, better than the actual race itself. But definitely some things to look forward to for this season ahead.
1: Yes, and I agree with both of you. There's going to be some great races. And, and you make a very good point there, Amy, actually, about the conditions. Yeah, so Japan hosted in September. That's the start of the autumn season in Japan. For those of you who don't know, Japanese seasonal months. I'm using Google. I'm not an expert. Don't worry. In comparison, yeah, we're going to be in, in the middle of spring this time around. So it will be really interesting to see how that plays into it. And particular tyre temperatures, track temperatures, I don't know but it could add another 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 kind of facet to that and at the same time yeah really exciting to see china back as well i've got to say i agree with you coops in there in that china will be very exciting always quite enjoy them going around shanghai it's very fast and be really interesting to see how these cars cope with it because it really is a killer on uh, those front tires in particular so i guess the last thing to do guys as we always do in race week, is to look ahead to Bahrain and to get some predictions in. Of course, for those who will be joining us and following our coverage, remember it is Thursday to Saturday this time around, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rather than Sunday. So, Coops, do you want to start us off? Who do you think is going to be in the top three come Saturday afternoon in the Bahrain Grand Prix?
2: Oh, Max will win. Charles Leclerc and uh, I'm just going to go with Oscar Piastri
1: Thought. Very nice, very nice. Three teams there, an exciting lineup, but some things never change. And that Verstappen prediction for the win is, yeah, giving me deja vu over many, many, many podcasts in 2023. Amy, what about you? You going to spice it up a bit? Or I was going go
0: to say, I could be really excited right now and just say Max Verstappen's going to DNF. But no, um, this is a hard one because it's like, it's the first race so we haven't like had a much chance to see them. But... Probably, I don't want to be boring and go similar to Coop's, but I quite like Coop's predictions there. But I'll probably say, Max, chuck in, let's put, I don't know, Emma Leclerc in second, and then put, I'm going to put Russell on the podium. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just going to put him there.
1: <laughs> just putting it in there to keep it interesting. No, yeah. I, that, I back that definitely. And yeah, un- unfortunately, we, we all like to keep it interesting here at EF1. But you have to be realistic. It looks like Verstappen is just as dominant, perhaps, as last season. But, of course, you never know what can happen in the first race of the season. And I think what we all hope for is it will be really interesting and really just set us up for what's going to be a long, fantastic season. And, uh, yeah, I think I speak for all of us and say that we can't wait. We can't wait to see these cars going around the tracks again. So I think that's everything we've got to cover today. But thank you very much uh, to all of you who joined us on Facebook, to all of you who listen in the future as well. I hope you've enjoyed our testing roundup and our preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix coming up this weekend. Uh, do remember to check out our socials throughout the week. As I say, there will be a couple of breaking stories, most likely. Once again, tomorrow, Christian Horner's completed investigation will be come out, coming out and those conclusions. Also a bit of news about the Alpine restructure as well, possibly coming in the week so do remember to check us out across x formerly known as twitter facebook and instagram and as well as that do check out the raceworks.com our sponsor you can get 10 percent off with the code ef1 for some fantastic f1 merchandise ahead of the season but until then thank you very much for joining me coops thank you thank you very much for joining me amy thank you i've been oscar and uh, yeah well like all there is to say is it's lights out and away we go. Enjoy the first race, everyone, and we'll see you then.